0: The scripture reading is from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. It can be found on page 839 in the Black Bibles. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises day and night, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces it by itself, first the blade, then the ear, than the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. The word of the Lord. Thanks again, Grace. Um, hey everybody, got my water up here. I brought this up at the first service. I'm getting over a sinus infection and my, uh, my voice worked. so hopefully it will again. <laughs> um, but I'm Brooks. Um, I'm actually the uh, RUF pastor at the University of Houston. Um, been here for four years now, uh, married to Meredith uh, for the past 10 years, and we have little Sophie, who's three and a half, and about to have another girl in late June. So good to be here with you all today. Um, this is actually one of my favorite passages uh, of one of Jesus' stories that he tells, just simply because um, his emphasis is that God changes the world through the smallest things we do, Um, Through things that we don't necessarily see. Because in in all reality, you and I just don't believe that. Um, When I uh, was a little kid, I've seen this picture of me. Um, I'm in a, I was probably three or four. I'm in a full Batman costume. And I'm sitting in this yellow chair. And I'm facing the wall, facing a corner. Because I was in timeout, And my mom put me there for some reason. and, And what's funny about that is just that my whole life, regardless of what I was doing, I dressed up as superheroes. I just wanted to be great. Spider-Man, Batman, Superman. And, and that string is with me throughout my life. Because even now, um, at U of H, I, if I'm perfectly honest with you, I want to be an amazing pastor there. I want to be great. I want our ministry to Boom. Uh, I want it to be the biggest, I want it to be the best, I want people to pay attention to what I say, me or my interns, I want us to be able to speak into people's lives and things change instantly. Um, I want to be great, and you and I want to be great. I mean, this is the way that the world at least names itself to be and how it works. That the way that the world changes is CEOs and celebrities and the big timers, Instagram influencers. You know, the people who we think are important. Big missionaries, big churches, big ministries. That's how the world changes. And Jesus says, that's not how. But, but the deal is, that's hard, is that even though we think the world changes through the big people, our problem is that we aren't those people. We aren't the people where buildings will be named after us and books and songs will be written about us. We aren't the people that... We'll be remembered that way. We're normal. So, how, like, what, where is our hope? What do we do? And Jesus says, the smallest things you do matter. That, that's actually how the world will change. They're the smallest thing. Look, look at verse 26. He begins by talking about the kingdom of God. Whenever Jesus says the kingdom of God, he's just meaning this is the way in which God's rule and God's reign happens. And you would expect all kinds of images he could bring up, but here he starts talking about a farmer, an ordinary farmer doing very simple stuff. He's just scattering seed. And, and it's, it's, it's easy to overlook this, but the farmer's not named, just a normal person. Most of Jesus' listeners either themselves were farmers or worked on farms or they knew someone that did. This is very plain, very common. It's actually pretty easy work. Seed scattering, I've I've done landscaping on and off for a long time, it's not hard. (laughs) You could tell your children to do this very thing you might have and you could get them to do it and they would do it well because it's not difficult. And he says that this farmer does this night and day and goes to sleep and stuff grows. He has no clue how that's happening. Doesn't actually see the growth, doesn't actually know, like can't make it happen, just sees it happening through the smallest Work and, and honestly, in ways that he would forget about and overlook. So, Jesus is saying, You know how God's kingdom actually spreads? It's not through the extraordinary or the flashy, it's through the simple, it's through things that you would never even take notice of. And this is deeply encouraging for Jesus' listeners because all of them were normal people. I mean, they were, they were farmers, they were bankers, they were moms, they were dads, they were uh, children. They were clothing makers, they, you know, they were teachers, they were just average people. And they would struggle to believe that they mattered in God's kingdom. But even if some of his listeners were kind of the elite, the popular, you know, the, the priestly or pastor class, you know, the politicians, philosophers, they still would struggle with the same question. Because it doesn't matter how great you become, you still wonder, do I matter to the outworkings of this world? And Jesus is saying, yes. That contrary to popular belief, God does not work only through the extraordinary and the flashy, but through the simple and the small. When I um, was a senior in high school, I took a class, it was a kind of a world uh, religion, Christian dynamics class. I, I was not a Christian at the time. And um, my teacher, Coach Owen, uh, was incredible. He was just this, you know, average dude. He, he coached golf at our school and he taught this class. Uh, he was married, had a kid, and I just like, I looked up to him immediately because he listened to us. He paid attention to us. He actually asked us questions. Um, but he was really goofy. He um, he would you know bring a boombox and play like random songs for us to listen to, and he would dance and make fun of himself, and we thought he was hilarious. Um, but the thing that that I remember distinctly was that he was plain about what he believed about Jesus. And then he also wanted to listen to us, even if we had doubts, or, you know, had pushback, had issues. And just through that, over the course of that year, just him showing up, teaching classes, um, listening, I started paying attention to the Gospels. I started reading them myself um, and grappling with who I thought Jesus was. And by the end of that year, I became a Christian. I, th- this is not the only reason i 'm a Christian, but Coach Owen, had he not done what he had he, that he did i don 't know if i 'd be standing here today and it 's through a guy that you wouldn 't even know about unless I was talking about him right now because he 's not famous he hasn 't written big time books that all of y 'all have bought. you know he was somebody who showed up daily and he was faithful, he did a really ordinary task he taught a bunch of dumb high schoolers, no offense high schoolers he just he taught. Us, we, and, and oftentimes we didn't even care, but he did. He loved us, and he showed the love of Jesus, and this is exactly the way that Jesus is saying the kingdom spreads, through people like him. You know, and the, 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 the deepest encouragement here is that the lie that you and I have deep in us is I have to be great. It's a lie. You know, you, you and I, we walk around, we kind of go, okay, God only works through a certain set of people, you know. Okay, I, I'm just a kid. I know God only works through adults. He can only do things through adults. Um, I'm married. I know God really only works through single people because they have more time on their hands. Or you know, you're, you're married and you're like, I just, you know, or you're single and you're like, I just wish that I was married because then I would have someone to partner with and do what God wants me to do. You know, if only I had a different kind of job or a different personality type or a different skill set or a different whatever, then God could really get to work. It, at the bare minimum, all we're saying is, if only I weren't me, God could do something. And Jesus is saying, that's not true. He works through the smallest things you do, the most ordinary. And, and, and what I get caught up in this when um, years ago, when we lived in St. Louis, a friend of mine was a youth leader and I was a youth leader. Um, he would travel around and do all these big trips and um, have fun he would post it on Instagram and I would look at his Instagram and think your life is amazing <laughs> what about mine you know and we all do this we all are just wondering do I have something to offer and Jesus basically through this story is saying you do not have to be amazing for God to do amazing things through you it's a lie to think otherwise um, it truly is and and what does this mean This means that the day in, day out things you do utterly transform the world. Because notice he's talking about this farmer scattering seed and a harvest comes, growth happens. When you and I pray, it's really simple and really small, something happens in this world. When you, you you might have passed the peace and shook hands earlier, you might have hugged somebody. When you did that, you proved to them that their existence matters. You know, when you invite someone into your home, when you talk to someone who's hurting, when you forgive someone who's sinned against you, yet again, you're showing them that maybe there's a God who exists that forgives sins, and then secondly, that they aren't defined by the worst thing that they've done. This is huge. It's small, but it's huge. Jesus is saying, multiply this out. Every single small thing you do changes the world. You know, harvest happens because of this. And this is, Jesus is not telling you me anything that he himself didn't already do. Like, if, if God comes to earth, you and I would think he's going to come as a philosopher, he's gonna come as a politician, he's gonna come as somebody with great power, but he comes as kind of a no-name carpenter in a small town that we didn't even know existed outside of the Bible until recently through archaeological digs. You know, he spends his time befriending people who no one else ever would. Sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, you know, they were, they were pushed to the side as greedy people. His disciples were just, you know, they were fools. They were idiots all the time. They are bickering and, you know, pushing on each other all the time, and these are the people that Jesus spends his time with, and even still, like, yes, Jesus' life is full of miracles and, and other things that are extraordinary, but really... You read the Gospels, the majority of it is him walking with them, him talking with them, him eating with them, him crying with people, you know, him just living life. This is his model. I mean, the amazing thing is that if Jesus is God, that means that God came to earth and didn't save it by conquering it. He saved it by dying for it. And and the second that he's dying, all of his followers, all of his friends and family are thinking this movement's over, this movement's done. But it was precisely at that moment in Jesus' death that God's about to do his greatest work by raising him from the dead. This is a pattern, this is a model, this is saying that even when you don't think God is doing anything, he might be about to do his greatest work in you, in me, in us, the farmer scatters seed. He doesn't know how growth's happening, but it does. It explodes. If if Jesus can bring life out of death, he can do something in you. He can do something in me. That means that your job, your personality, your past, your present, your sins—the things that you view as obstacles to God—are not. None of those things are obstacles because he's bringing a harvest. He's bringing change. It's through the small stuff. And, and they, they would be asking a question at this point, listening to this story, which is a question that I ask. Okay, great. Maybe this is the way that the kingdom of God spreads. How do I know it's gonna happen? And this is why Jesus talks about a harvest, because he's saying, I'm in control of making that happen. Look at verse 29. He says, But when the grain is ripe at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And, and it's interesting in verse 28, when he's talking about this growth, this is the earth produces by itself. In Greek, that actually the by itself is first. He says by itself the earth produces. To emphasize this fact, the farmer doesn't make anything grow. The earth does. This is all in God's hands. This is completely in his hands. And he's saying if it's in his hands, it's going to happen. It's sure, it's certain. Um, You and I, they included, would constantly be fixated on themselves thinking, okay, if it's all up to me, nothing's gonna happen. Nothing's gonna grow. Jesus is saying, stop focusing on what you can or can't do or who you think you should be, who you aren't. Focus on me because I'm in control of the harvest. You know, years ago, um, I took a flight to one of the student ministry trips uh, here. And it was in Colorado, but I had to fly to Dallas first. And um, that flight was fine. But when we uh, took off from Dallas, the pilot gets on and he says, um, I just wanna warn y'all, this flight is gonna be a little bumpy. It's gonna be a little turbulence. So said, that's fine. Um, I didn't really like flying very much anyway, but I just you know, took him at his word and said, okay. So I'm talking to the person next to me you know, people are, are fine. And at one point in this flight, the plane literally drops. People start screaming. She grabs my arm. <laughs> Don't know her. You know, she, uh, she screams. We kind of, as things level out, um, we both, like, look at each other and we kind of make a joke about it. Like, aha, I hope we get there. You know, like, we're just trying to do anything we can to feel okay. We made it but not until the pilot again gets on and says, hey, there's gonna be even more turbulence. It's gonna get more bumpy, and it was. And over and over and over again, this pattern happened this entire flight, Um, and I'm freaking out the entire time. When we make it, I now no longer wanna fly in planes. (laughs) Um, But what's amazing about this is that I could not depend on my credentials in order for me to get there. I couldn't depend on what I felt about that flight in order for me to get there. I couldn't depend on even what I could see because I couldn't see anything. The only thing that I could depend on to get where I needed to go was on the pilot's voice. The pilot had the credentials, the pilot had the understanding, the pilot knew that we were gonna get there. And he was just saying, trust me, it'll be fine. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am in control. You're going to get there. You're going to be fine. It's going, there's going to be a harvest. It's going to grow. If Jesus is in control, that means that our circumstances don't dictate our security. Because it's easy, it's so easy to look around and, and to you know, turn on the news and it, to look around us and think, nothing's happening. You know, the, the war in Ukraine, um, racial issues you hear about, you know, issues maybe in your school system or your work, you know, things that just literally never seem to change. Or you look in yourself and you also see things that don't change. You see sin patterns that just don't want, you know, don't seem to go away. You see people in your family who you wish would change and they don't. You have doubts, you have struggles, you have health issues, whatever it is, you could name this list for yourself. And if you're real about it, you will ask, is God doing anything? Is anything changing? Is anything happening? And Jesus is saying, don't focus on those circumstances, focus on me. It might not look like a harvest is happening, it's going to. This would make us a little more calm. You know, this would make us a little more free. I think at a minimum it would make us uh, be a little more patient with one another, especially when people don't change in our timing and when we want. Because he's in control, right? If he's in control of changing the world, bringing the harvest, that means I'm not. That means you're not. That means that you can do everything within your power to push back on evil and pain and darkness in this world. You can do everything in your power to talk about Jesus with anyone who will listen. You know, you can um, you know, raise your kids well. You can do your job well. You can use the gifts that you have to the highest ability. And Jesus is still saying, yeah, but you're not in control of the change or the growth that happens which should give us freedom to actually go to sleep. I don't know if you noticed that in this story, but it's very purposeful, it's intentional on Jesus' part. He says in 27 about the farmer, he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he doesn't know how. The farmer just gets to go to bed. (laughs) I think one of the most important things for us when we're actually trying to deal with this is that you and I get to stop. The, The lie that I believe is that God's only working when I'm working. And so that I don't stop. I don't go to sleep. I don't rest. I mean, I think about the the campus, University of Houston. I mean, it's 44,000 people, a ton of issues, a ton of complexity, a ton of uh, different kinds of people that really just shouldn't even be friends with one another because of their differences. A, A lot of Hindus, a lot of Muslims, a lot of people don't think the same way. And it piles up, and I get overwhelmed because I think I have to bring a harvest there, but I don't. That's not up to me. You and I can work as hard as possible and then go to bed, and God's still working. What's a little hard about this, though, is that it's encouraging and hard at the same time, is that if he's in control of bringing change, that means that we don't get to dictate when or how he does. I mean, we live in Houston, I mean, I hate traffic. I don't know anybody that would raise their hand and say traffic's amazing. I love it. You know, we hate waiting because people are in our way to get to where we want to go and how we want to get there. We want fast diets. We want fast things to work. We want we want basically the the um, we want to put the input in and get the output we want immediately. And apparently, that's not how God's working. He's slow. He's taking his time. Sometimes we're like, "What are you doing?" Jesus is saying a harvest is coming. Why? The harvest that he's talking about already began. And it began what we talked about last week with Easter. It began in his resurrection. It, when Jesus rose from the dead, this is supposed to give you and I some, um, some ground to stand on whenever we're wondering, is a harvest gonna happen? Because if he rose from the dead then he can do anything. He can bring life out of death. He can change the unchangeable. He can actually end the breakdown and the loss and the pain and the loneliness that is in all of our lives. That if he can bring life out of death, he can do whatever with you. He can do whatever with me. We don't have to be great. We don't have to be amazing. Because he is. This is so encouraging for us because we are normal or average. You know, I, years ago, uh, I kind of finally got the courage to go talk to some of the men that live under the bridge, actually right down the street. Um, <clears throat> there's a man named Joe who I spoke with, who uh, he's been there for a long time. He has a, a kind of a unfixable uh, leg injury that prevents him from working and um, he even has a type of blood cancer. Uh, but Joe was very honest with me when I came up to talk with him. And uh, I went to be able just to meet him, say hello, introduce myself, maybe share something uh, about Jesus with him. But lo and behold, Joe is actually a a Christian. Uh, And Joe, uh, I asked him, what do y'all need? And he goes, you know, we we actually just need some food, uh, some like cans. And so I went and got him some. And when when I gave it to Joe, I was expecting for him to keep it for himself, but he actually turned around immediately and started handing it out to everybody who is living under that bridge. Um, so he left me. <laughs> he wandered back, came back to me, and starts talking with me. And he, he says, hey Brooks, I actually want to pray for you. Is that okay? I said, sure. You know, and he said, but before I do, I just want you to know this. He goes, I want you to be encouraged. He goes, I'm probably not going to live as long as you do. But when I die, I'm going to tell, you know, Hello. <laughs> from God to you, and also I'm gonna, I want you to be encouraged because I'm going to be healed, I'm going to be fixed, I'm going to be whole, and all this is going to matter. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he prayed for me. And Joe is right now over there with somebody with little social power, um, no physical health, He's under a bridge and he cares for people. He prays for people. He talks to people about Jesus. He shares his food. He's changing things. God is changing the world through the smallest stuff. And if that's true, he can change things through you and me. Let's pray. Father, I just simply thank you for uh, this truth, even though it's hard to believe. I just pray you'd help us to believe it and know it Deep in our bones and to be encouraged by the fact that we matter, but we don't have to be great because you are. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.